I will be reading Psalm 16, but first let's pray together. Lord, in your presence there is fullness of joy. We thank you for the Psalms and for the beauty and truth that we find there. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in thee. Please bless Pastor Joe as he shares with us what he has seen and tasted in your word. Amen. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who were in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods shall suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely, I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. First, a little bit of personal update, an update to our biography that was there. We have two new great-grandchildren, little babies called Salome and Evangelina. So we thank the Lord for that. And a bit of advanced warning, you will have a pandemic of puns today. <laughs> it's an incurable affliction, I just can't, can't seem to shake it, so be warned.
Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this morning I want to do kind of a three-point sermon. Surprise, surprise. Past, present, and future. We'll look back and we'll look, a bit, look forward also and upward in hope. And of course, we'll dwell on the present as well. And I'm beginning to, going to begin by asking a question. It's a rhetorical question. Are you happy with your lot in life? As you assess the past year, would you say that brought you a lot of joy? Psalm 16 is a psalm of David in which he expresses his contentment with his lot in life. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with the eternal pleasures at your right hand. The surprising thing is that this psalm was probably written at a very trying time in David's life. It might have been written in his early years when he was fleeing from one hideout to the next, like a hound after a rabbit, King Saul hunted him from place to place. Consider verses 1 and 10. Keep me safe, for in you I take refuge. You will not ab abandon me to the grave or let your Holy One see decay. And yet here, despite his troubles, David thanks God that he is alive and he affirms his lot in life. As we close this year with its triumphs and its regrets, its songs and its sorrows, under the guidance of the Lord through this passage, let's reflect on our lot in life and reaffirm our joy in the Lord. In verse 6, David affirms his lot in life with these words, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Here's a little bit of his, historical context. This reference to boundary lines is probably an allusion to the way the territories of Canaan were divided by the tribes of Israel before they settled there. We actually read, they drew lots. It's sort of like drawing names for Christmas. The name you draw is the one you buy the gift for. Only in this instance, we're going to flip the script. They drew the names of the territories that were going to be given to them. But let me highlight a bit of attention here in this passage. How could David celebrate his lot in life? How could David affirm his lot in life when obviously this psalm was written in the context of a troubled time in his life? He begins, after all, with a cry for help. Keep me safe, O Lord. And well and good, he's alive, and that's something to be thankful for. But that kind of begs the question, doesn't it? 
people are not always glad that they are still alive. I mean, if you need enough, meet enough troubles in your life in a year, sometimes it hardly seems worth living anymore. Sometimes sorrows multiply. How do you, in a world where evil abounds and sorrows multiply, affirm your lot in life with joy? I mean, is there really such a contrast between our lot in life and the lot of those who reject the Lord? Is life really so much better for us? Let me try to fine-tune the message just a little bit, this message of Psalm 16. There's a rather famous story called Acres of Diamonds by Ali Hafel. And it's about a farmer who lived in a region where fortunes just a little ways down the road had been made in a diamond mine. And he thought to himself, you know, I wonder if I could find diamonds. And so he sold his farm and went prospecting. Years on end, to no avail, he found no diamonds. Meanwhile, the new owner of the farm that he had left found acres of diamonds. There are hidden pitfalls in life, but there are also unexpected blessings. Sometimes there are acres of diamonds in your own backyard, hidden treasures. Sometimes, to borrow a phrase from C.S. Lewis, we are surprised by joy. These types of things are referred to as unintended consequences. Consider the story of Abraham and Lot as another classic illustration of this point. Lot cast his lot among the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah. Ironically, the Bible says that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord. The pastures were indeed greener, but his choice was a hidden choice for the evil of that place. When Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed, Lot's choice cost him his wife and his home. Well, now let's bring it up to date. We look to the present. What does this psalm say to us today? Usually our lives are less dramatic, but it is well worth noting that we complain about our lot in life sometimes, but we must be careful not to let our discontentment be a subtle rejection of God's providence. And we should remember when we seek our well-being apart from God, our good shepherd, the greener pastures contain hidden perils. The wolves are near to multiply our sorrows. Those who choose other gods multiply their sorrows. The psalmist goes on to say, their libations of blood 
I will not pour out. As I read that, I can't help thinking of how many people will try to find their happiness in a bottle on this New Year's, on the New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. And how many died last night because people were driving drunk, you suppose? Tragically, they may have chosen other gods and will pour out their libations of blood, theirs and theirs of others. The sorrows multiply. But we affirm our lot in life by faith and not by sight. Verse 2 is an affirmation of faith. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. We live by faith and not by sight because things are not always what they seem. The forbidden fruit in paradise seemed good to eat, but the eating of it multiplied their sorrows. Lot's choice seemed like a better place to live. Abraham's choice, no doubt, seemed less desirable. But in Abraham and in his seed, all the nations have been blessed. For from his lineage, Jesus Christ himself was born. What seemed good in the past year may also turn out for us to have been a rotten apple. And what seemed bad in this last year may be a blessing in disguise. What is certain is that there is both good and evil, and that both good and evil are allotted to us by God. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. Therefore, we affirm our lot in life by faith. In the Christmas season, people say, Merry Christmas. But for many, Christmas is not without its heartaches. As we turn the calendar, people say, Happy New Year. But some seriously wonder whether the New Year will be all that happy. People have all kinds of problems, don't we? We have health problems, people have financial problems, personal problems, family problems, and there's the struggle of trying to celebrate while at the same time there's a grief in our heart because of some loss. And yet, the beginning of a new year is a time filled with hope because at the heart of the human history, is a story of a world waiting for the blessed event, the coming of Christ. David likewise affirms both his lot in life and his faith in God, but he takes it one step further. He takes the focus off the circumstances altogether and fixes his eye of faith on God alone. Listen to these words. Apart from you, I have no good thing. There is a subtle but instructive ambiguity in this psalm. David affirms his lot in life, but in fact, he was probably homeless. Interestingly enough, there was an entire tribe which, though not quite homeless, 
did not have a territory of their own. Their priests of the tribe of Levi received no territory in their lot. There were 48 cities throughout Israel set aside for them. The meaning of this is found in God's words to Aaron, the high priest. We read in Numbers 18, verse 20, You shall have no inheritance, neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance. So when homeless David says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, he seems to be identifying with the Levites. He has no land, but he has God. God is his inheritance. The message translates this passage this way. My choice is you, God, first and only, and now I find that I am your choice. With similar language, he says, the psalmist says, in you I take refuge. There were special cities of refuge in Israel where one could find asylum. But David was not hiding in one of them. He was hiding in the Lord. That is, he was finding security in his God. Another way the psalmist expresses his faith in, is in these words, you have made my lot secure. As if to say, God is holding my lot like a deed, like an estate held in trust. I don't have it yet, but it is mine. David's lot, if you will, was to be king over Israel. And one day, Samuel anointed him king in place of Saul. But years intervened between his anointing and his rule. All during those years, including the years that David wrote this psalm, David's throne was being held in trust by the Lord. He was not seated on it yet, but it was his by promise. We find ourselves in a similar situation, don't we? The new heaven and the new earth will be ours. Wow. The meek shall inherit the earth. Our lot is to reign with Christ. This is ours by promise. And God holds our thrones in trust. He holds our lot secure. Whatever our circumstances may be, whatever they may seem like, we confess our faith in God and he will multiply our joys both in this life and the life to come. When David's, with David we affirm, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. David had a security of both soul and body because he trusted in the promises of God. He was not disappointed. He lived to see his coronation day. And we, who are in Christ Jesus, will also see the day when we are crowned with glory.
And lastly, we're going to look to the future and we're going to look up. Let me literally come down to earth. Our souls and bodies also rest secure, for we can see beyond the circumstances of death itself to the promise of eternal life and the resurrection of the body when Christ comes again in his glory. I once read that the task of the pastor is to prepare, for, prepare people to die well. We are to preach the Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. Each grief in which we can say, you are my Lord, the Lord is my portion, is a rehearsal for our final parting from this life. And each time we say, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away, blessed is the name of the Lord, we're preparing for that final affirmation of our lot in life. It is appointed for men to die once on your deathbed. A small lot in a graveyard will be reserved for you or maybe an urn for your ashes. Then as a Christian, you will affirm, the Lord gave me life and now he will take it away. Blessed is the name of the Lord. And in so doing, we will sanctify the grave itself. God did not give him up to the grave, nor let his godly ones see decay. And those who have Christ as their portion are more than conquerors. Christ shows the path of life. In his presence there is fullness of joy, and in his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And now by the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can rest secure, secure in the love of God to take the focus away from ourselves and into the glory of God. I want to draw your special attention to that one verse, verse 6, this, just that part. I will praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord. As the expression goes, it's not about you. It's not about me. Let me conclude with this quote from Elizabeth Elliot, which is also printed in the bulletin. The fact is, as believers, it is not about us. It's not about my happiness, my joy, my well-being. It is about the glory of God and the kingdom of Christ. The only means of real joy and contentment is to make his glory the supreme object of my life. We're going to sing in a little while a variation on the hymn Joy to the Lord, Joy to the World, but I have flipped the script. Joy to the world, the Lord shall come, and earth receive her king, and every tongue confess him Lord, and endless praises bring. His kingdom comes, his will be done on earth without alloy. Let every knee before him bow and lift our hearts in joy. Joy to the Lord. 
the world shall come. Isn't that striking? That's really what's going to happen. Joy to the Lord that the world shall come and give the Christ his due. Let every heart prepare him room who's made a room for you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.